Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. We are here with our favorite guest, Mo, who is a clinical hypnotherapist, psychologist, life coach, and etc. And we have Gabby, who is a young, ambitious entrepreneur and bright intellectual mind. So, Mo, we have some good topics for you tonight. Oh, yeah. We want to find the balance between mental health, self-help, spiritual growth. The Torah is the Torah's instructions for everything and find a way to fuse it together. So with the first question, how does a person know if the way that they're working on themselves is healthy? Is that broad? <laughs> it's, it's, it's really broad. Uh, how do I know if the way I'm working on myself is healthy? So the nature, the way I look at it and the way I think about it, the, the way I'm going to see myself is going to really show itself in my relationships. We are people that want to work on ourselves. All right, that's just what winds up happening. You get to a certain point where certain things in your life aren't working and you want to improve. That's what this whole self-help industry is about. You read a couple of books, you do a couple of workshops, you go and see this, this mental health counselor or psychologist. I'm not a psychologist, by the way, just disclaimer. We got to change the title now. You got to be. <laughs> so you got to be clear. So if, I, if I'm actually starting to work on myself, I have to actually learn how to be clear. The, the, that clarity is going to show itself in relationships. So I need good friends. is not a joke. I actually have to make meaningful connections in my life with people that have me dealt, that I'm aspiring to be like. Mm. And we create this thing called relationship, this give and take, this ebb and flow. At the end of the day, you're going to be the the average of the five people that are around you. That is generally what's going to happen. So you have to actually get clear on who you're spending your time with. Do you do you like them? Are there things about their life that you, that you find promising? Uh, so if I am working on myself a certain way and I want to see if I'm healthy, a nice feedback loop, a nice barometer, if you will, that I'm going to see, well, this is working or this is not working, mm -hmm. is going to be your friends. And then there's going to be asking, well, what do you actually think about about me? Do you think that this is okay? You want people in your life, Jordan Peterson's going to be all over this, that tell you the truth, that also want you to shine. It's not just people that are going to to see a fraction of you and only celebrate a fraction of you, but I actually want someone that's going to see all of me. That's very clear on what's, um, what are my pros and what are my cons? What are my chesronot and what are my malot? And at the end of the day, wants to see me shine too. It's actually, it's, it's hard to find in high school. In high school, we're kind of learning how we are. Once we break out of that high school mode, we're like, okay, I want to be like these people. I want to be like that. Those people, I start to actually expand once I get out and I get into the working world. I'm like, okay, this is, these are qualities that I like and these are qualities that I don't like. And I start trying to make it. And I start trying to figure out, well, who I am or how do I like to be or this is what I find enjoyable. This I definitely don't find enjoyable and this is how I tend to escape. So we, health is something that I continuously work on and, and continuously in relationship with. The nature of your room, <laughs> the nature of your Facebook statuses or your Twitter feed, your, your, your search history, that is going to show you very much how is your mental health. Your screen time on your phone not, is, is going to tell you where are you in relationship to your mental health. I'm not saying people are all 100% healthy. I'm not saying I'm healthy. But we have different 
markers in our life that's going to tell us this is working for you, this maybe is not working for you, or at least not going in the direction that you want to be going in. And that in relationships. So it's, it's, it's really, I have to open up the book. My, every, one of our, every one of us is our own book with a bunch of chapters and a bunch of stories and a bunch of pages and a bunch of words. Uh, every time I open it up, I have to see, well, what's, what's going on inside of here? Am I, mm -hmm. am I reading this right? And I want someone that's around me that's like, okay, this is what I'm reading inside of myself. Do you, do you see something similar? Is there something I don't see? Because we all have blind spots. Uh, we, sometimes the backseat driver inside of our head is good because we don't always see something. You're driving and, and all of a sudden the, the guy in your passenger seat is like, dude, watch out. That's good because even though you want to say you saw it, sometimes the truth is you didn't see it. So good. Uh, so you want a good friend, you want a good mentor, you want a rabbi, you want somebody that you could actually forge a connection with that wants to see you shine also. And you also have to get clear inside of yourself, I want to shine. I want to be more, like we said last week. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> and going to relationships, how do you know if it came to a point where it's toxic or if it comes to a point where you can actually work on it and figure it out? So I think... With relationships, you want to be really clear. You feel if it's toxic. Not always. Not always. Because it's feeding you. Sometimes the toxicity is that most definitely Also, love is you. blind. So if you love someone truly, we have no matter our... what they do, you'll always think that, wow, they're doing the best thing possible. And you always try to look in a way where it, it looks good in your eyes, even though in everyone else's eyes, it's a negative aspect. But in your eyes, since you love them so much, you don't want to tell yourself that subconsciously, that you don't want to tell them that, yeah, they're not the right person for me since you love them and, you know, you'll do anything to work with them. That goes back to the point you said about having good friends to remind you. <laughs> so, so there's a lot to unpack there. A, a lot of the toxicity and the toxic patterns that we have in relationship are not conscious. A lot of the shadows that we bring into relationship are not conscious. We don't actually fully know ourselves when we're in a relationship. It's only through different types of relationships that we actually get to know ourselves. I don't really know how, I'm, how, how I am as a giver until I have someone to give to. I don't know how I am as uh, a powerhouse until I have, I have an opportunity to find that. I don't know how jealous of a boyfriend I might be until that opportunity presents itself. But who, who estimates that? You or her? Who estimates what? That the, the relationship will show. Is the, she telling you that or is that through you introspecting on yourself? Both of you. Okay. Let's reel back for a second. In a relationship, there's three entities. There's always going to be three entities. There's you, there's her, and then there's it. There's you in the relationship. There is her in the relationship. All right? You and her, two completely separate people with two completely separate, separate nice. uh, perspectives. Yeah. Then there is the relationship itself. There is an us. In a healthy relationship, or in any relationship, there is an us. There is a feedback loop that happens between you and her. All right, there's a world that you are creating when you're dating someone and you're dating someone for marriage and marriage meaning I am going to commit to you and you are going to commit to me and we are going to make this work and no, it's not always going to be pretty, but we are going down that line. There is an us that is created. There is a unit that winds up being created. The unit is going to show you the unhealth. The unit is going to show you the, mm. yeah. the, the dysfunction. Very nice. Because... If you really want to know if you're doing okay in a relationship, hey, ask your wife or ask your girlfriend because or ask happy. the relationship. <laughs> exactly. 
I once heard Rabbi Pesach Kron say that the way to, the, the most, um, like the, the, the biggest thing you should be proud of if you're a man is not how much money you make or the empires you build. It's to see if the wife who is standing near you is happy. Yeah. And she's smiling all the time. Because her happiness is contingent on how you treat her. Well, that's where the expression no. came from. Her happiness is contingent on her. And you are a yeah, very if, big contributing factor. If you're not... Again, there is a you and there is a her, and then there is a relationship. You want a, person that could, you want a person in your life that could take responsibility for their own mental well-being and for their own emotional well-being. You as the man also take responsibility for your own emotional well-being. And then both of you, as free choosing agents, are choosing to, to step into a relationship together. Is it a problem to, to compromise with each other? Since if you if your girlf- girlfriend or your significant other is doing something and that's not something that you really like, but it's something that they really adore doing or they really are doing, is it too is it wrong to really compromise? So a compromise depends. It definitely depends. There is no wrong about compromise. I don't think a relationship works without compromise. When you're in relationship there, you're building an us and you're building a unit and you're building this new home for however long it's going to be. And I've had relationships that lasted a couple of months. I've had a couple of relationships that lasted a year or two. Whatever relationship you're talking about, there's, there's going to be different agreements and different um, intellects that are building this space. There are different minds. It's two completely different people. Yes, you want the similar things, but there's going to come a time where she wants one thing and you want another. So what step can you still make together in order to compromise? That doesn't mean you don't get what you want. It doesn't mean that she doesn't get what she wants. It means that both of you have different results that are being considered and you are finding an an alternative path. You're finding a a thing that works for the us, not always for the you and not always for the me. The compromise, I'm going to compromise what I want sometimes because of what we want and what works better for us. Make sense? Yes. It also depends on what she wants. Is it healthy or harmful for the relationship, for her relationship with herself and for her relationship with you? It also depends what you want. Because many, for many men, they think that they are the example of, of, of mental health. They're not. Some men are morons. And that is the truth. Yeah. And they think Majority that they are the barometer of maturity. Many men, many men are boys, myself included. I'm a child. All of us. I'm I'm, I'm sitting in my basement in in sweatpants. I'm I'm a child right now, and we're speaking truth. But it's the difference is is that when you were talking about mental health before, we have to know that those that that child is alive in us. We have to know that there's a part of us that wants to play. That's the clarity that you spoke about. We have to know that there's a part of us that wants to be serious. We have to know that there's a part of us that wants to grow. We have to know that there's a part of us that wants us to go to sleep. There's a part of us also that's addictive and there's a part of us that's neurotic and then there's a part of us that likes to drink and then there's a part of us that likes to smoke. But the question is what part is always driving the bus? And if the, the second I identify myself with just one of the parts over the other parts, I've already compromised on the other parts. Hmm. That same I, me, you, and the relationship exists inside of us always. There's me, then there's the other parts of me, and there's my relationship with myself. Was that too complicated? No, sometimes the part of you that's driving the bus is not emotionally available for a relationship. Correct. Because you're too busy. 
Correct. Like right now, for me personally, the part of me that's driving the bus is this 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 want to want to conquer the world. Mm-hmm. I extremely believe that I can, and I, I extremely believe that I can help a lot of people. And sometimes when I speak to people who don't think like I do, and no disrespect to them, but it's sometimes overwhelming for them because I have such high goals for myself, and you talk to people who think uh, smaller. So let me ask you something. Yeah. Can I, can I like shoot? I'm shooting from the hip. Go ahead. If you want to go with this, I want to conquer the world. I want to help as many people. And I really have compassion for that. And I, and I lived something very similar, I think, for many years. And let me ask you, heart to heart. And you know, I'm not, coming, I'm not going to come at you wrong. Where in that is the emotional availability for a relationship? Or is it there or is it not there? I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I think, I think if I find someone who is able to accept that part of me and be okay with it and be okay with the... You know, going to a pizza store, making a video and inspiring people and getting crowds together and like this yeah. very like, you know, vivid, exciting lifestyle, then it could work. But do you feel like you're emotionally available? To your yes, 100 percent. I think I am. I think I have moments in my day that I can dedicate to a spouse and especially like when it comes to Shabbat or my time off on the weekends. I have times in my day that I want to dedicate to a spouse and go on dates. And, and obviously, like I think for my future self, could it make it work? And the answer is yes. But the thing is, is that that hasn't come for me yet, that right one. So I just dedicate that time to continue to work on myself. So if, I, so if I may be so bold, and this is not about giving advice, but rather encouragement as somebody who lived my version of it, where I was very busy conquering the world and helping a lot, a lot of people, and then putting my, myself on the back burner. That was my pattern. I put myself on the back burner. I put, I put what I wanted on the back burner. And it was a while until I was like, no, there are things that you've got to handle for you. The, but the world is going to figure itself out also. Are you able, can you actually experience yourself holding both? Yes, on, in both hands. Yes, I want a relationship and I want somebody to give to and somebody to grow with and somebody that's going to take me to my next level of, of perfection. And... I have a mission and I want to give and I want to, I have this, this internal impulse to, to conquer the world. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're going to have to hold both of them. Those are two very, 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 very integral things. And sometimes, sometimes one is going to take the priority and sometimes I'm going to have to compromise on one in favor of the other right now. So I think, I think it's beautiful what's coming out in this conversation is that many people what they're learning is how do I hold both? How do I hold the inner struggle? I want to be the hero of my story. And I also want to get the girl. Here's my answer. I live the question. <laughs> the, the question is, can you do both? And my answer is yes. I've lived too much of my life being average. I will not be average anymore. I will not go through life just living. No. I know my potential I need, and I need to hit it. Mm-hmm. So the past couple of months, I've been posting every single day. I've been extremely motivated every single day. And the one other thing that I've been doing every single day is I've been going to class every single night. Me going to learn Torah, whether it be an hour or two a day, that spiritually like ignites me and it gives me the power to do anything. So I found myself, if I have two hours in the morning, go to learn, go to pray, I have an hour at night, I go, to, I go to learn, I shut my phone off. When I have these times for myself, that gives me the ability to reset. And I found an unlimited supply of energy there. 
coupled with keeping shmarata bri, which means not wasting seed, coupled with working on my mindset all day, coupled with even being in the car listening to classes, I'm extremely, extremely growth-oriented. And I noticed that I sometimes get ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. I have to remind myself that no matter where I am mentally, I'm still a 22-year-old person. And I sometimes am too hard on myself because I want to be more. Because the knowledge and information in my head is a lot farther than when I actually, where I actually am right now. Mm-hmm. So something that I've learned to do is just to be present. It's okay that you're not there yet. Just be in your dad's basement. You know, he's paying the majority of your bills. And just be there. It's fine. One day you'll be financially independent. One day you'll get the girl. One day you'll inspire millions of people. One day it'll be your basement. Exactly. And you'll have a son who's going to say the same thing. Yeah. And you already have inspired thousands of people. But like, you know, it's going to come. So I think... And I noticed also that the moment I accepted responsibility for this lifestyle, Hashem... In his way, he started to just help me. And I noticed in general, when a person accepts responsibility for his inner greatness, instead of pushing it away and creating excuses as to why should I not do it and stay average, that's going to be your reality. But the moment that you accept responsibility for who you should become, that's when the universe helps you. So I think... Wherever you want to go, reality is going to start reflecting it back at you. So it's really important that when you're, you're making whatever choice, not you, but us as humans, making whatever choices that we're going to make, we're, we're putting things in, in the program that's going to feed us, that's going to nurture us. It's going to be doing something that I love. It's going to be making an impact. We, I, I've done, I, I spoke about this on another podcast last week, that there's, we all have these values. Yes. I search with people, I, 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 do, I do this exercise with my clients, if you can name the top five values, and I did this with people upon people upon people upon people, grown men, kids, young, old, addicts, non-addicts, on the wagon, off the wagon, I know them for a couple of years, and they, they, and it's always the same. It's, it's uncanny. It's always the same. They want to be uh, a good person. They want It's a value for them to be sober. It's a value to them to be a, a healthy individual. It's a value for them to have a healthy relationship with their wives. It's a value for them to have a healthy family and, and a place where I get to give because that is going to be the closest relationship that I have. That is a value. That is what actually matters. It is a value for them to have a healthy sense of a healthy financial situation. It's a value of them. I'm going to commit a certain amount of energy. With a lot of these people, I just named you the, the first three, with all of them, they all wanted also a sense of growth. We want to feel like we are moving. We want to feel like we are growing. We, need, we, 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 we want to feel like we're moving. We're like, that's it. Like, I'm A and I'm going to get to B. I don't care what's going to get me from A to B. It could be a joint. It could be a drink. It could be, um, you know, watching this movie. Or it could be making a podcast. Or it could be learning a Daf Gemara. Whatever it is, the have deal. You have to do. We, we are human beings that crave a sense of process. We crave movement. Even if that movement is a movement closer to my own destruction, that's still movement. 
<laughs> well, constant stimulus. We need the constant stimulus. That's what humans are. We, we need that, that change and we want to move. But if I'm learning how to hack my own mind and say, no, you know what? I'm going to be a person that I'm making a step towards what I actually value. I'm taking a step towards what does it mean to actually grow up? And if it means stop touching yourself, okay. Like that, that is a step. That is a step. There is an inner yes and no. There is an inner nikudata bechira. There is an inner part of your choice that you get to flick a switch on. And some people are going to be more vocal about it. Some people are going to be less vocal about it. But at the end of the day, every person has that switch. Every person has a switch when it comes to, to whether I want to sit and learn or do something that I love or listen to something inspiring or put the phone down. That is a switch. That is a choice. So it really, so then I get to capitalize on those choices. Once I have a, sar, a certain amount of headway, the, the, the steam is rolling. Mm-hmm. And I could say, oh, I got this amount of days, or I got that amount of days, or I did this amount, and like, I could start tracking myself. I'm like, oh, you work out. You know, you start tracking yourself. Oh, I used to be able to do 30s, now I do 50s. And now you start with 50s, and then you want on your way to 70s. And then, wait a second, where did that come in? You start tracking your progress, and your body is going to reflect it. The nature of your relationships is going to reflect it. And when there's a kink in the hose, and when something's fishy, or if something stinks, yeah. meaning if I'm, let, let's, let's just get the cards on the table. When something stinks, it's going to show itself. In one way or another, it's going to show itself. And for the people that are, aren't honest, if I'm not honest with my own stink, it's going to slap me. Well, going back to what you and Jonathan were kind of reaching out, where you kind of have to always work on yourself and always, you know, go back. And everyone has their own way of doing that. True. But how do you really, how do you really go back on it? So if you're someone... Really go back on it. So if someone is working on themselves and saying, okay, I'm going to do a 40-day challenge. I'm going to stop wasting seed and things like that. And then he gets the day 33. And then somehow, some way, he fails. Now that person, he what goes... What did he fail at? He failed at he wasted he wasted seed on the but third day. What did he day. fail at? His, His commitment to himself. Commitment. No. No. What did he fail I disagree. He failed a day thirty-four. He failed a forty-day challenge, but he had thirty-three days. Exactly, I was about to say that thirty-three well, times he people, made a decision. It's to... harder to look at. So what men we in did general, are, what we do. men in general are very, very solution-oriented, result-oriented beings. <laughs> All right, we like. I don't. Don't tell me how pretty the road is. Tell me if you got there. Don't tell me how hard you work to make your money. And Can you pay bills? Can you not? The road to success is always under don't construction. Don't kid yourself. Your father-in-law will also want to know that. <laughs> yep. No, the road to success is always under construction. It's always under construction. We're always waiting in traffic. But, so, if someone is working on themselves, and it's important to realize that you're always going to be in process. You're always going to be in process. I'm not interested that, that if you can track yourself 40 days doing the same thing. I'm interested if you could track that how each day was different from the other. Because if all I'm doing is working to that one goal and not appreciating that I am changing as I'm getting to the goal, every day is its own day. Every day is, is beautiful. Every day has its own opportunity. So every day had a Shema Yisrael. Every day had a, had a Tachanun. Every day had, a, had their own mitzvot and their own benachot and their own challenges. 
so for some people, for many addicts, Monday sucks. All right, Monday the set or, or this famous wonderful thing Sunday blues. You just posted a TikTok thing once the seasonal affective disorder. Meaning once it gets cold and the light just just starts getting less and it happens chemically in our minds, we get a little bit more depressed when there is less sunshine. Well, definitely. So if you're going to if you if you feel that, go spend some time outside. Is it cold? Wear a hat. But if you're but you want to actually give yourself a shot in enjoying the moment. So if, but if all I'm doing is going for that sense of perfection, if it's perfect, it took too long. You don't get a prize for being perfect because those 40 days isn't, it's like, okay, I made it. Now what? Now I'm not good unless I make it to 50. I'm not good if I keep on going. You're good and valuable just as you are now. So, for, so, so every day has that growth oriented mindset. Yes, I want a result. 100%. No, I didn't meet that result. 100%. So then I start again. Move on to the next. Move on to the next. So I completely dislike what you just said, but I agree with it. Me personally, that idea of like being okay with failing promotes such a mediocrity to me that it's like, it's like appalling. How can I be okay with not being the best? I think you have to realize that you just raised your voice when you said it. Because I can't, I can't be okay with messing up the 40-day challenge. Exactly. I have to do the 40, then the 80. I have to become a beast. Well, I feel like he wasn't saying that you are okay with failing. He's saying that once you fail, don't be, oh, okay, I failed. Say, look what I did, and now continue. That's kind of, I feel like that was kind of the message you were trying to Failure, bring out. I can't do that. I can't do that. I have such I, a high I, expectation that if I, I, if I don't hit it, then I'm not worth it. That's because you're identifying with your sense of failure. That's not the failure. That's... You ask the question. You are mixing up this idea of failure with your identity. Yes. You don't like it? Fine. But that doesn't mean it make it you. The problem is, and, and that is the pinhole that, that literally leads to people crumbling in their sobriety, crumbling wherever the hell they're working on, is that the second they think that they fail, they identify themselves with the failure, and that means I, I, I'm done. And that is stupidity, that is wrong, that is sitra achra mamash. Mamash. So how do you not do that? Because you realize that I am a human. Because humans are mediocre. Humans try their best and humans most definitely fail. But if you set a high standard for yourself and prepare yourself then not to fail... Then you're lucky if you make it. Then consider yourself blessed that you make it. You say thank God, then you keep on going. You say thank God and you keep on going. It's very, You get very, very clear with this. Just because you set a high goal and you meet it doesn't make you great. It makes you really good and skilled at meeting that goal. Because it's not that different, deal between that and the guy that really, really wants to go make money and makes it. It's the same engine. So I'm, 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 I'm saying it to me in a really real way. you got to, you, me, I, check the ego in it. Because the second I'm identifying myself with the greatest success, you're not that different than... Andrew Tate thinking that he's better than women. It's, it's not that different. It's not. The second you take a failure and you make it part of your identity, you're also making your success and making it part of your 
identity. And it's cheap. You can be successful and you will fail. That is part of creation. How I cycle through it and how do I bounce and how do I stay me through it, that is the clutch. It's a separation between everyone. So, so is that what Sheva Yipotadik comments? 100%. That when the righteous man falls, it's not the failure that defines him, it's the fact that he bounces back up. You posted a video of you and Joey Newcomb. In Joey Newcomb's song, and you, you, fall, you fall down, you get back up. Listen to it. I, that, that song made me make sure. So, huh? <laughs> that song made me so make sure. So what does Rav Tzadok say? Is look Rav You fall down, you get back up. You fall down, you get back up. Sheva, Yipo Tzadik. I love that song. Tzadik He's a Tzadik if he falls. Zuk Rav because he knows they come. He never, he always gets up again. I didn't like that part of the song. But that's the truth. How? That doesn't make sense. Everyone fails. Think about, think about, go to Torah, open the Torah. The first, the first... The brothers failed. But a failure is an opening to, to a complete failure. Because you can fall in that failure and, and lose your life. Or you can use that failure you're to looking, build up more. You're looking at... So that decision between, should I stand the floor or get back up? That's a decision between a loser and greatness. No, that's a decision by someone who knows that he falls. The loser stays down. Everyone knows when you fall. Do they? Do they? A lot of people. Not are everybody denial. knows. Some things are just. Not know. everybody knows. Not everybody knows. Not everybody knows that when the chips are down. Um, you mentioned when the toxicity is thick. You think you are doing the best thing on the planet, and really, you're you're just feeding your own ego. If all and there are many, and you'll see this with parents, and you'll see this with teenagers, and you'll see this. People think that they're really doing the right thing. And it makes sense. And they are, until something crashes. And then they don't know how to get back up again. They've identified themselves with the thing that they're doing. If, let's say, somebody goes and, and tears down your whole TikTok thing, like, oh, who is this guy, uh, uh, Jonathan, doesn't know what he's talking about. And let's say he just, sh you know, shoots a nice spear. Yeah, you're doing that with your head. Let's say he shoots one through your entire platform. How does Jonathan react? I wouldn't care. You don't even care? I know what I'm doing is right. Okay. So, the question is... That, that would show low self-esteem in myself if everyone has something to say. And I, I, Let me tell you something about low self-esteem. Do you know most bullies have high self-esteem? Self-esteem is a myth. Self-esteem is a myth. The question is, am I showing up with a sense of confidence that I know who I am and I know what I'm doing? That's and not true. Building self-esteem is making a decision now for the future version of you. So if you don't feel too good about yourself, start making better decisions for yourself and you're going to build your self-esteem. And then what do I do with it? You live a better life. With high self-esteem, that's going to pay my bills? High self-esteem can enable you to look for a job that you previously didn't believe you could it get. It leads the path to it. So if you have a low self-esteem, so you won't go to that what office. What is the difference between, you know? between high self-esteem and confidence? So if you have confidence, I'm confident that I can go and get this job and I have self-esteem, meaning I have confidence that I can go and get this job, but my self-esteem is me telling myself, yes, I can go get this job, but now I can go and actually accomplish and actually what do is the that right things. That's based on just the self-esteem and confidence. The way people think the way you yourself view yourself, like how a person like self-esteem, how you said, how so, you view yourself. So what makes up self-esteem? I have a, a self-esteem tank. I have a self-worth tank. In a way. 
No, I'm asking. I'm, I'm inquiring minds. Self-esteem and confidence are very similar. The problem is when you have the ego that you have to show everyone, I have self-esteem. That's because that's really not self-esteem. Ego is you trying to find yourself validation in other people's opinions of yourself. A real self-esteem is I know inside my worth and I don't need to show it to anybody because I love myself. I have a relationship with myself and it's the only one that so matters. So then why aren't you able to fail? Why am I not able to fail? Yeah. Because I don't want to. <laughs> Fine. The idea of, Fine. of not making it is but horrible. That's the truth. It keeps me up at night sometimes. Fine. Honestly. But at least own it. I have because to... failure is not something that I want. Not because I can't. Not because I'm a loser. Because I don't want to. No one wants to. I have dreams of myself making it. No, no, no. Now there. you're backing up. Stay with the I don't want to. Be I... present with there's a part of me that doesn't want to fail. Don't feed it. And don't tell me what you really want to do instead of it. Just there's a part of me that doesn't like to fail. Mm hmm. All right, and that's normal. And that's normal. And the reality is, we fail sometimes. Sucks. You ever got into a car accident? Yes. Okay. Twice. Okay. It wasn't my fault. Sure. I got into a couple. Almost every one of them was my fault. <laughs> Ask my insurance company. When I go through a green and the guy hits me, it's not my fault. Okay, fine. <laughs> I had, I, there was another one. There was a wonderful, wonderful <laughs> guy. A guy T-boned me because she just... Ran through the ran through the red. I'm like, really? Remind me not to drive with him. <laughs> don't, don't. No, I'm better. I'm really, really good. But you, the reality is that we fail. We don't want to, and it's okay if we don't want to. It's okay, but it's not okay to fail. Uh, yeah, see, <laughs> it's not though because because f failing is a defining term. It's not. Um, is it okay? But it's not. Is it okay to make a mistake? I guess. But is it okay to... When does it become a failure? When you quit. When you quit. Fine. So, on day 33. I was, I was telling him this on the way here. What, what defines someone as a failure is not that he gave up the, the first or the 30th or the 100th. No, it's the fact that he never quit. Because even if you never reach that goal, it's the fact that you always believed in it. Okay. So did he fail at day 33, or yes or no? Or did he make a mistake? D it depends. Did you get back up, or did you stay with the failure? I have failure? no idea. It was your example. Did he or did he not? Well, there's two ways to look at it. Either a person can fail at day 33 and be like, you know what, I'm done, I'm never doing this again, I'm over with it, I failed, I'm never looking back. Or a person can look at it as, you know what, I failed day 33, day one tomorrow. Let day one now, let's start again. Let's, okay. let's renew it. But, but this is to I'm all not, the... I'm not on day one, but I'm, I'll do you one better, I think. I get the day one thing. I get, I get it because there is something to continuity. Well, day one's the worst. Day, day one club is the worst. <laughs> right? I was talking to my friend the other day. day. I didn't know there was a club. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> sent me an invite. I was talking to my friend the other day. I'm thinking, Baruch Hashem, I'm clean for a long time. And he told me, he's like, yo, the day one club is empty without you, bro. You haven't been here for months. <laughs> that, oh, that, that, that's... The day one is the clarity. That's like, wow. To all the men listening to this, that feeling of messing up that on that specific Nisayon, it's the hardest, hardest thing to overcome. Day one is the worst club. But I think if you're able to overcome that mental day one thing and say, no, it's not, I'm not on day one. I'm, I'm on day, I'm 22 years old. I, I got here, you know, I had day 40 and I had day 80 and I had day 120. But this day one is going to bounce me back up for a stronger comeback. One thing I'd suggest, just instead of looking at days, try to break it down to minutes. And you really see, you really feel like you did a lot. Where instead of, oh, today's day one, tomorrow's day two. And if you really have like a mini counter or something, you can see, wow, I already have, you know, 20,000 minutes. 
even though it hasn't been that long, but if to your eyes it just feels like a lot. Instead of a few days, say minutes, and it just yeah. breaks down to make you feel like you're accomplishing more if you really have that kind of struggle. I think I'm really going to age myself. I think if you, the more you're going to go get caught up in the counting, the more it shows how busy you're with it. How busy you are with it. Why? Because you keep meditating on it? Because you keep seeing on yourself in relationship to it. And I think there's a value in also, I'm not saying don't count, I'm saying also seeing that I have other things in my life that I'm living. I think the more I'm going to wake up to that there are other things inside of my life, there are other things that I'm contributing to, there are other things that matter, it's learn how to bring down the dial. You know, sometimes the volume's at 7, sometimes it's at 12, sometimes it's at 15. Right. It, and if you're listening to this now, imagine where, what number you're, it's on. It, it, whether it's from 1 to 15. Let's say right now it's at, it's at a 7. See if you could bring it to an 8. Take a breath. See if that number, bring it to an 8 or bring it to a 9. If you could bring it up, you could also learn how to bring it down. But something that I dislike is when people say... Like I like yeshiva guys specifically, I gotta get married just so I can stop with the problem. It's like no, you're not getting married just so you could, you know, get rid of this issue. Who's to say you're gonna get rid of it when you get married? You need to work on the issue and become a better version of yourself. Then you can come into a relationship. People want to just get married just to stop. You know, it's such a mistake. A lot of people. There's it's a couple such, that I know they mistake. got married because they couldn't contain themselves, so they realized let's get married, and they were a religious couple. And in my opinion, it was just like, it's so wrong. Because first of all, the marriage in itself, it's all brought up over something that's, you know, immoral. If you really look at it. Yeah. And it's just, it's very wrong in my opinion also. If you're just, if you think that getting married is going to stop the problem, you're getting married and you're going to have 50 more problems than you <laughs> never even know that you were going to have. If, if, um, if anything. I think, I think if you, you're looking at marriage, that, that is a reason, that is a, that is an aspect to, to getting married. If you're getting married in relationship to whether you're going to get to stop doing that, what is your relationship to marriage? What is your relationship to giving? What is your relationship to a woman? What is your relationship to being a husband? Because it, it just shows that there's a complete contortion in your perception of what marriage actually is and what it's actually meant for. And what your ideology of a woman is. Right. If that's all you're thinking about, then you shouldn't even be in a relationship. I don't like, stop shooting on yourself. People do whatever they're going to want to do and they're going to succeed in whatever they succeed in and also fail in whatever they're going to fail in. Yeah, definitely. So here's a question that I find to be very interesting. I know it's a whole can of worms, but how does a person get past their childhood trauma in a religious manner? Because me personally, I've spoken to many people that they tell me I have like religious trauma from this one rabbi. And I try to explain to them that this rabbi is a represent, he's representing the religion. It's not God. You need to find the connection with God directly. But you're letting this, this person just ruin it for you. And people just, like, they live with that story. Like, oh, this, like, I tell them, divorce the story and take responsibility for where you are religiously. So you, can't, you can't tell that to people because they're not going to actually know what that means. Divorce uh, like, the, the victim mindset. Oh, he he, he tested yeah, me uh, and he turned me off from the religion. But but the religion is still going to be there, no matter if you want to choose to dedicate time to it or not. Me, myself, I have trauma from religion, you know? I think everyone does. Yeah. Like really, especially in the more 
less religious world, I feel like everyone, no matter where you are, pretty much has that trauma. Okay, this is a really, really loaded topic, so I'm, I'm going to say what I, what I think just to, I guess, introduce the, the <clears throat> mindset, if you will. And I'm doing this after working with a lot of Sephardic people, a lot of Chabad people, and a lot of Hasidish people for literally a very, 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 very long time. So he knows what he's talking about. No, I, I, I know what I think. I don't, you might disagree with me, and that's totally fine. All of us have a perception of God. And of a conception of spirituality. For many people growing up, God was the boogeyman. God was this thing that's going to um, punish be good me. to me if I'm good, or punish me, and in this constant fear of being punished. Is that true? Many people also think that God is this ATM machine, where I'm good, and then he's going <laughs> to bring. And if I'm bad, he's, and taking, if I'm bad, he's taking away. That's what people like to hear. <laughs> And then, because, <laughs> and if it's faced by many of these many cu- many cultures, um, look to rabbis in order to show us what that God actually is. Correct. And we have this warped view of what Judaism is and what Judaism isn't, and what God is and what God isn't. So, to keep it really short, sweet, and to the point, realize that the God of your childhood is not always the real God. And sometimes the God that we grew up with isn't actually the God that is. And sometimes we like pasting our traumas and making it about God. We take our khaki and we just wipe it on God. We take, don't think your relationship with God is any less dysfunctional than your relationship with your parents. Don't think that your relationship with God is any less dysfunctional than your relationship with your parents. Don't think that just because you get to do something, God owes you. Many people are looking around that God owes them something. God doesn't owe you a blessed thing. God is constantly breathing into you. And the second I, I kind of put the, uh, acknowledge that, acknowledge that I am in the presence of God. I am a walking light and a, a, a part of God. And I'm walking in that presence wherever it is that he surrounds the old world and fills all worlds, then we could actually start talking. If, somebody's, if somebody wants to talk about what God is or God isn't, it's a very, very, very loaded topic depending on where did they come from, what did they grow up with, what did they actually feel growing up in relationship to God, how is it fed to them, and what do they plan on feeding to their children? For many people, the, 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 the answer is, I don't know. The question, the, the real answer is, I don't know. And so there needs to be a lot of acknowledgement in terms of what are people actually feeling towards God? Or what are people not feeling towards God? And what a part of that has to do with a rabbi or a teacher. Then for many people, a rabbi or a teacher contorted that whole view and warped that whole reality. Well, I had a rabbi, Rabbi Jeffrey Stern. He actually gave me a really good like example of it. Mm-hmm. Where I came to him and I was like, hey, I have blah, blah, blah of trauma. And how do I really look at it? Like, I feel like God's going to punish me, like how you said. And this was a while ago. And he basically told me, you have to look at God as a father to, to a son. When a son messes up and he does something wrong, you can't, you don't expect your father to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to kill you. That's it. No, your father gets angry, yes. 
but he's always at the end of the day he always loves you he always wants you back and then at the end he's gonna be like hey come here it's okay we'll get over it like he just looks at you as like that's how you have to look at god that's kind of the example he gave me but god doesn't get angry because god is perfect if he would get angry that would make him flawed god gets angry he can't he can't. God he is God is a perfect being. So, perfect beings don't get angry. Says, is that your idea of perfection? Yes, perfect beings they are they 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 have compassion and so understanding. So you say every day What does that mean? God gets pissed at us in the desert. Hashem el God's a jealous God. What does that mean? Then? I think it's something to do with. How your relationship with God is, if you love Him out of fear or out of love for His existence, like, you know, do you fear your father because he might take away your credit card, or do you love Him and appreciate Him for what He is? That changes your dynamic with God. Hashem says, so let me, so so I, I personally disagree, and you, you're fine to disagree with me. When we're talking about there are aspects, yes, God is perfect. All right, there's an aspect of God that is higher than anything from Chalukot and the Hagat Ha'ichud, which is that place of divine oneness where everything is one. All right, a place where I, there is no wrong. All right, every, every possible result is, is perfect. And then there's also this thing called the Hagat Mishpat, where it's a realm of judgment, where it's like there's Isur Beheter, there's good and bad, there's yes and no. In that realm, Sure, Hashem could be upset with us. Sure. What does that mean? Does, it, does that mean that he feels upset? The only reason that you're able to feel upset is because God feels upset. God, you can't go and take my emotion. There's this whole thought. I don't understand that. There's this whole thought. Slow down. It's done this way. Do we understand God because we understand ourselves? Or, we don't, or do we know God because we know ourselves? Or God is, and then we just wind up knowing ourselves because God is. I know it's a really, it's a complicated way to look at it, but there's this whole thought of God has arms, God has eyes, God, this whole famous Rambam, correct? Does God actually have, we anthropomorphize God, we, we give God human features. We give him a he. We give him a he. So we can understand him. We give him eyes, so we can understand him. Yes. Right? So we can understand him. The only way we're going to understand him is if you limit him if i limit him in terms of our own sense of limitation to a body yeah correct to a body so i i look at god and that he took me out with his with his hand hashem looks at us with a good eye hashem gets angry right. hashem is happy with us right there's another way to look at it the only way we understand eyes is because up there there's an eye and we we are the mashal we have no way to actually conceptualize God's real hand. So you're flipping, you're turning it on us. It's not, I, it's not that I turned it. I think it's the, it's the Maharal that does it. We are the mashal. We are the flip of God. What? Yes. <laughs> Mind blown. Yes. <laughs> we are funny. the flip of God. Someone clipped that? <laughs> we are the flip of God. How else can God actually know itself? God, God created this world, correct? Yeah, yeah. All right? In order for us to know him. Yeah, that the Nega Hashem is as the Ramachal is going to say in Misat Yisraelim. Tani is going to say, Dira Batachtonim, in order for Hashem to come down and live amongst us. How does God, who is perfect, make himself more perfect? 
The one thing that a perfect God can't do is make itself more perfect. How did, how, what did he do in order to make himself more perfect? Us. We get to live this life and make a perfect God more perfect. So are we God's insecurity? Sometimes. And sometimes you're also God's Shepard Zerah. Don't think you are, but sometimes we act like we are. Whoa. So God, in a sense, well, Whoa. Look, at it, look at this in a secular level. God created us. It's good. It's good. It's good. That's why God destroyed Saddam, because they were an imperfect uh, extension of him, and he couldn't handle it. So God is imperfect. Wait, what? Did I hit something right now? How is it possible that Abraham Avinu was arguing with God not to destroy the city? It must, there has to be a deeper understanding of what really went on there. And we could use that to like apply it to our own lives. Because Why doesn't God destroy the world now when it's probably even worse than it was back then? How better is it now than what it was also? Yeah, because there always has to be a balance. There's always challenges in their time than our time. So there's a question. There's a question that Rukhan Vital asked the Arizal. Alright, Rukhan Vital, who is the student of the Arizal, asked asked the Arizal, I I don't understand. You say to me that I have this amazing light-filled soul. But if I was in the times, you know, of the Amoraim or the Tanaim, I would be like nothing. So what gives? Like, you want to tell me I'm so great? I'm not so great compared. What does that reason tell him? It's like, as the world gets more dark, as, a, as the, the, the shadow gets thicker, it gets harder to shine your light. It has never been darker. <laughs> it has never been darker. So any bit of light is going to shine so brightly. The thing is that we don't always realize that. We don't, we don't appreciate that. We don't acknowledge that. We don't see that how, how we all have that light that's coming out. So we have to feel like we're the brightest light at the time that we are? You are walking light. Period. Period. Any, this, this whole idea of high self-esteem, low self-esteem, know what you are. Know what you are. Let's, let's cut through what you feel about yourself or what you enjoy about yourself. What is the mitziut? What is the reality? We're a divine soul, and when we sin we make these layers, klipot, that hide, that are the shadows of the light? You missed the whole, you missed the whole segment. I am the light. We are the divine shadow soul. Is, 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 the, is the layer. We are a divine soul installed in a divine body. This body is... Is a divine body. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Divine is, 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 sub, is subject to make mistakes. This body makes mistakes. Divine no. is subject to make mistakes. No, it can't be. Divine has to be perfect. Says who? What do you mean? First of all, what is the religion? The religion is uh, like like the Torah. It's a book, right? And for in order for it to be given by God, it has to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So, using that same analogy, how can my body be divine if my body makes all types of mistakes? Because it also does all type of good. That's the wonderful part of this world is that you get that makes me mit- human. That you get to be metaken, and you're going to get to be mekakel. I can be godlike, but I can never be God. True. Because even the person who never sinned before, you could say his one flaw is that he never sinned. <laughs> In a way. I don't understand how the body could be divine. A body capable of so many horrible things cannot be a body that is God-like. But the horrible things that we do, God gave us the ability to do it with this body. But, so you're but missing pieces. You're missing pieces. That they that the Chazal will tell us 
that that at the times of Mashiach, what winds up getting risen up? Your body. Why? Because that's what do you mean? That's how you exist. But why not just rise up the soul? Because the soul is not tangible. It's connected. But why rise up the body? The body made mistakes. The body is also able to do good. So you just answered your question. Yeah, but that doesn't make the body divine. But yes, it does. Everything is divine. This if, cup is divine. Your you phone ch- is divine. So your so it's so. Dare I say it? Porn and Nazism is also divine. It's conditional then. What do you mean it's conditional? If you choose to do good things. Correct. That's that's choice. I get to choose. I get to choose. That's the wonderful thing that you get by having this soul installed in this body. Choice. Choice. And when I choose to take this soul installed to this body, to meet up with another soul installed in that body, I get to come together with God, no pun intended, and create a new somebody. Capable of choice. And it's literally coming together. Talking about Purvo? Yes. To make myself more. Okay. So then, how can we use that idea or that concept to inspire someone to stop wasting seed? You matter. You matter, period. Not based off of what you do. No, not based off of how you act. I like the angle you You chose. matter. <laughs> and the second you... You don't have to prove it so much. So many people take the whole you matter or, or, and try and keep on proving it to themselves. And there's nothing to prove. But there's nothing to prove. So there's, the second I start treating myself as value. Oh, you're saying you matter some, if you choose to see it or not. Uh, you matter, period. And then you matter to, to the degree that you have something inside of you that is able of creating a, a human life. You, are, you have something inside of you that has your sense of potency, that has your sense of spirituality, mm-hmm. that has, has literally comes from your own dot. It comes from your own mind. And by you being wasteful with parts of your mind is a crime. By you being wasteful with parts of your mind is a crime against yourself. I don't care about... I've read enough of the books, and I've read enough of the czars inside, and I could give this shear from top to bottom. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. The Yossi Mizrahi things didn't work on me. They didn't. Me the Yonaruben did not work. <laughs> the fire and brimstone talk doesn't work. It's a paradigm shift. When do I decide that I matter, and that I have something that matters? And that I am worthy of treating myself... As if I matter. And the more that I don't is the more that I don't. And, it's, and, and, I'm, and your life is going to reflect a person that acts as if they don't matter. So if and, the caveat to all this, is you don't get to matter only based off of you win. You matter anyway. You matter anyway. You don't get to matter more. The question is, how much meaning do I bring to I matter? You matter less when you make this crime. Absolutely not. That's the whole joke of it. But you're 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 wasting. You can never matter less. You matter. But you lost. Unconditionally, I matter. That's it. 
You're still breathing, yes? Just how much does it matter to you? How much does, do you the question is how much do you matter to you? Mm. And that becomes your reality. That's the game. That's the game. Some people say, I matter. I can go and do, do whatever the heck I want. Okay, that's how you want to prove yourself? So what's your argument to like, you see online, like you said before, Andrew Tate, I can get with any girl and this. To me, I, I look at that as like, he doesn't value himself. Or I don't like pathologizing. That is how there, there is going to always be. All right? Let it be known, and I will fight anybody to the death to say this. There will always be a sense of removal. Andrew Tate is a moron. All right? But take even someone like Dr. Gabor Matei or Jordan Peterson, people that are a hell of a lot smarter than I am. The second you take Torah away, and the second you're not dealing with someone that is dealing on those frequencies also, mm -hmm. you're dealing with somebody, something limited. Is Jordan Peterson... Uh... Uh, against wasting seed? I think anybody with their right mind understands that making choices in alignment with your own betterment is a healthy thing to do. Exactly. Yeah, but if, 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 if you take away the whole punishment and the whole, like you said, your own Reuven Yosef Mizrahi f scaring the living daylights out of you, if I was a non-Jewish person and I have the ability to get with beautiful women, why? what would stop me? The whole you matter thing kind of Fades away because, because there's there's so much of this thing of creation is that we are looking to build something real. We are looking to build something real. When people when you get married, Bizarre Hashem, they're going to say, Amen. "May you build a binyan adeat," which basically means, "May you build something that lasts." We, as if I matter. I really want to continue mattering. I really want something that I do to matter. How do I get something that matters? It has something called kiyum. It exists. There's strength to it. There's a kviyut to it. There's a sustainability to it. Make sense? Yeah. So, the question is, is not, do I get, uh, uh, is hookup culture good or hookup culture bad? Everybody knows that hookup culture is not healthy. It doesn't last. Exactly. We, if Spinous. you need to listen to this to realize that hookup culture doesn't last, you need more. <laughs> <laughs> you need more. <laughs> you need a lot more. <laughs> Just not, not, no judgment on you, dude. You need more. But. Especially a woman. If I'm just. I want to build something that lasts, and the more I am walking around with a, a broken way of seeing things, that, oh, I just want to do whatever I want, or, oh, I get to be wasteful with my time, or I can be wasteful with my energy, or I can be wasteful with my money, again, or I can be wasteful with my breath. It's not ju we're not just wasteful with seed. We're wasteful with a lot of things. We're wasteful with a lot of things. But that's the foundation. Which you have to dig and you have to work on. And there are things that are built on that foundation. So I'm not just wasteful, and I'm wasteful in other things as well. So, if, but if I want to build something with Qum, I'm going to, I'm, I, I realize I want that, realize I'm worthy of that, and then I make steps in order to, to go towards that. Correct. One last question. Sorry, I got all heated. That was beautiful. It was amazing. To the point, you know, 
not sugar-coated. So, this is actually an interesting question. How does a person introspect and find things within to work on? And before I release that question into the air, I want to say a point. Me, I remember last week when you told me I was dealing with a certain relationship thing and, and, and Mo told me I need to be able to lose. And what I took from that is a lot of introspection. I'm a person that wants to win. And I was almost like living my life without seeing that, hey, I just don't want to take the L here. But what I had to learn how to do is to take that L. Because that's the only thing, like, in a way it's a failure. But that failure can promote growth. If I choose to stick on the failure or not even accept the failure, just take the then, I, then I'm just, I'm just waiting in, the, in, in, that, in that time zone. So to add to the question, how does a person become aware of himself? Because we all want to paint our, like this idea of ourselves in our mind that we're perfect and that we're good and we're good people and we're good for society because no one wants to really be a bad person deep down. Everyone wants to be good, but how do we find it within us? Pretty much? You have to find it. It says from the Kudemaran in 282, and I just opened it up and I was like, yeah, this is something I would say. I like this book twice, once a year, and it just has a bunch of different excerpts. A person has to go I have to look for it and ask for it. From who? Himself. In order to enliven himself, in order to come to a sense of simcha. Through looking for and finding it. Again, many people look, but they don't find. Look until you find. And if you're not finding, you're not looking in the right spot. How do you look? How do you know where to look? I make a list. Which parts of you? What do you want? What do you want? Elaborate, elaborate. What do you want? You want something... No, no, no. What do you mean where to look? Where do you look inside of yourself? For example? Do you journal? Are you looking at your inner critic? Are you looking at your inner child? Are you looking at the, your inner putz? Would it be fun you... to ask your signif- significant other? I Is think, there someone who I really think, spends I think what I would say to someone starting out, find it inside of yourself first. Let her find it inside of her first, herself also, and then come and powwow about it. Because I think that's a wonderful conversation. Everybody has to actually take stock in what is good about them and what is not good about them. Not everything about you is good. Not everything about you is good. So you should make a list about what's good and what's bad about you? What, based off of what matters in your life? Sure. 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 It doesn't mean that it's... And, and that doesn't if you asked me to write a list about bad things in myself, I wouldn't be able to. That's an issue. That's the bad thing. <laughs> that's an issue. No, because everything that's bad is subject to change. Yeah, but then what are you doing tshuva in? True. I don't, I don't like to look at myself in a bad light. That doesn't... doesn't see, okay, you, you're getting into this pattern, if I may. Go ahead. All right, just to hold up a little bit of a mirror. You like looking things, and I think it's a function of your 22. And, like the, and it's, could be, I'm not saying calling you young. It's like... This is a download that takes your 20s and into your 30s and so on. You look at things in a dichotomy. You look at things as duality. There's good, there's bad. There's success, there's failure. There's on, there's off. There's win, there's lose. All right? I'm single, I'm taking. 
Life is a lot more, I can't believe I'm saying this, than just a binary. There's a lot, there's a lot more color. So yes, I could take a loss, and that doesn't make me a failure, because that's not always an equation. Loss doesn't mean failure. Loss means loss. Win means win. Because just like any win isn't going to make you a success. A win is a win. And a bunch of wins is going to make you, make you a success. A bunch of wins makes you a success. Now, how do I... Inter- so it's, I have to actually look. What, are, what do, I, do I consider good qualities? What are things that I value about myself? Whether it's in giving, whether it's in growing, whether it's nice to my mommy and daddy, maybe it's not, I'm a good older brother, maybe I'm a good listener. What do I pride myself in? And if you don't know, ask someone. That's what good friends are. What are my mind? What do I, we started off with this. And then yeah. you have chesronot. Yeah. And then it's like, now if, if somebody's not finding any good, any good, there's something, there's something to look at. The one question is, well, is there good? 100%. Some people have a hard time finding it. Find it. There's got to be something good that's going that, that you got going for you. And if you don't, that's a problem. Go change something. Go shift something. So this is going to be a very deep question, but like, is being compassionate and understanding to yourself? Because you said that there shouldn't be a binary way to look at life. It should be more. It has to be the the, the middle ground, like the the connection between winning and losing and uh, success and failure. So is being compassionate, being human, and making that connection between those two distinctive roads? Or is it, because I look at being compassionate and understanding as a way to like, be comfortable for a second. So I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna say it like this. I didn't say, don't look at things as a binary. I, think I said that things are more than just a binary. That's what, I'm, that's what I meant by it. Things are more than just a binary. And the way I'm going to answer you, we had we have the avot, all right. This passage of Parashah, the Meshulach, um, writes that we know that the avot did tremendous rectifications in the various midot that we have, all right. We all have this idea of chesed of love that we get from Abraham. Yes, wonderful. Then we have this idea of gevurah of strength of power that that we got from Yitzchak. And then comes Yaakov, which was the synthesis of the two, the combination of how do I combine Chesed and Gvorah, I have something called Tiferet, which is called Rachami, which is also called compassion. So I had these two tanks of human beings, of, of, of Merkavot, as, as the Zohar is going to say, that rectified so many types of things and brought, thi- and brought things to, to a sense of perfection of rectification. Then what happens with that singularity? What happens with that perfect, you know, triangle? It breaks into 12. <laughs> it breaks into 12. Just when you think that you have it. It's all, it's all gone. It's, you got to go do it again. Wow. And you got to go do it again. And the only thing that could possibly happen is that for me to go and do it again. But wait a second. It was perfect. It was. No, but I was loving. He was. No, but what about the dean and the judge? He had it. No, but what about Lavat? Imavagati Bach and and We all have we all have that list of successes. And then everything crumbles and we gotta go do it again. And then they go and come back together and then guess what? We got Egypt. 
Then we have to go and deal with that. And then, okay, fine, we get out of Egypt. Then guess what you got to deal with? Desert. We always have these, these, obstacles. these obstacles and trials. And life has this wonderful thing of breaking us apart and forcing us to rebuild ourselves. Mm. So, so, I don't even remember the question, but the idea that I... I am so much more than the yes or no. The binary, yes or no exists binary. inside of me, and then there's, and there's so much more. The brothers were tzaddikim. They were tzaddikim. One second. One second, because don't, don't let me lose this one, because I'm, I'm on a roll right now. Let's go. How did the, what did the brothers see when they saw Yosef? Perfection. They, they saw a guy with... There was fear. They thought... That, no, they saw what they didn't see in themselves. That's why they were jealous of him. Correct. But, you know, but so... They, but they weren't idiots. They weren't just insecure. They thought right? he was the next coming because their father was teaching they, him. And not me. They so, looked at Yosef and said, listen, we have this tree going on. All right? We have this tree, from, uh, the Shoresh, where we had Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. All right? And they were, they were, then we have these 12. The way Neshavah explains it is Yaakov was, was Aleph because he was the head of the family. You had the eight sons from the Gidirot, from, from Rachel and Leah. Alright, so that's eight, so it's Aleph, one, then there's Chet, and then you had the four from the Shvachot. And together that was Echad. And they, that whole unit, it was a unit of oneness. The second they saw Yosef starting to have these visions that they weren't able to see yet, they started saying, wait a second, you're a threat. Oh, and then he spoke about his, his, his brothers to Yaakov. Oh, you have Lashon but when we're going, so what do they want to do? They wanted to take him out. They wanted to take him out. But yep. we're not going to sentence you to death. We're going to send you away. Yep. Let God deal with you. Yep. Let God rectify whatever needs to be rectified. What happens? God sends, sends Yosef to Egypt, where he has to go and rectify what? The Brit Maor. He has a whole new sail in Potiphar. What is the Brit Maor Keneged? Also, the Brit Lashon. So. So say that in English for the viewers. Just in case so there is a connection between uh, the point of Yosef, which is the male organ, which was what Yosef rectified. Yeah. And the potifar. And the tongue. Esher potifar. And Esher potifar and the tongue and your speech. There is something called the covenant of the Brit uh, of, of 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 the organ, and then there's also the Brit halashon, which is the covenant of your mouth. So when Yosef was able to rectify the Brit Amor, he was also able to rectify the Shon Hara that they thought that he spoke to him. By so, the way, the mouth is a double item. It says in Parashah Be'alotcha, Shomer Piv Ulshono, Shomer Mitzahot Nafsho. So not only do you have to watch what you say, you have to watch what you eat. So the mouth can do a lot of damage or a lot of good. And you also watch what you drink. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we have this capacity in order to, to fit so much inside of us. And each part of us needs its own sense of recognition. And sometimes I have to make that list, and sometimes I have to be honest with it. Anyways, I'm rambling. No, but it's very well said. Making so, a list is something that we all have to do. To end with this, this is what I wanted to really get to. What's the constant feeling that you should have. I don't like shooting on people. What, what do you think? Meaning, the balance. What's the, 
because you know you have to also give yourself compassion but you also have to tell yourself okay i gotta go do things but what's the what, instead of instead of going to depression or to anxiety or to all these problems and past future how should you feel in the present moment when you're not doing a or b what, what's the sense of relaxation can you just tell yourself that i'm relaxing right now i'm taking downtime you get what i'm saying Mm-hmm. Well, I think definitely it's healthy to have downtime in everything. Well, downtime doesn't necessarily mean, okay, that's it, I'm depressed, I'm going to go drink, I'm going to go to the club, whatever it is. But definitely there's a sense of you need a downtime because people burn out. Like he was going, he was saying, we are human. We're all human. Everyone you think in the Torah, they're all human. So we do have a sense of downtime and we have a sense of, okay, I'm going to push, I'm going to strive, I'm going to... I'm going to go to Minyan every day. I'm going to learn for three hours. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do chesed. This is this. But if a person puts too much on top of himself, I personally think, and I'm speaking from experience, you burn out. So downtime is definitely needed. So to put too much on top of yourself, and instead of saying, you know what? I'm going to pray shachri, mincha, and I'm going to learn for an hour. And then you build that up. And then you eventually also give yourself a downtime. Okay, I need time to relax. I need time to, to breathe. And it all sort of builds yourself up where it gets to the point where you're not going to get burnt out because you kind of built yourself to that level where it's already normal. But if you don't give yourself a downtime and you just put everything on top of yourself, a person is just going to get burnt out. I think, I think that two things. A, I hear everything you're saying about the downtime and the being human and if not, you're going to burn out 100%. I don't think that there is going to be an ideal state for everyone. And it's, I don't, it's definitely not going to be the same thing. Everybody's going to be where they are in their own life. Yes. I think on the most part, we want, I want to be living in relationship to reality and not in relationship to dysfunctional thinking. I want to be in relationship to, from a loving place, from a giving place, from a sense of vitality and not from a place. Reality like, is acceptance of what is. What is can change. Correct. And what is, what is is usually infected with my own perceptions and my own insecurity. So I want to show up from a sense of clarity and peace and, and knowing. And I think two questions that you're going to ask yourself is, how do I feel when I wake up in the morning? And how do I feel when I'm going to sleep? If when I'm waking up in the morning, I'm going to shul, if I have that how much head noise I have and or how much head noise I have when I'm going to sleep that's going to tell you a lot about certain things that may need shifting and it could be you need to be kinder to yourself it could be you need to maybe spend some time off of working it could be you could stop shooting on yourself it could be you might need just another hour of sleep you're saying shooting yes yeah, can you make that clear? People last time thought you said something else. Stop shooting on yourself. Shooting. Shooting. S H O U L D I N G. Spotify, yes. don't take us down, please. What did you? What did you People think asked, I was saying? They were. They thought something else, and we're Orthodox Jews. I really think that shooting is worse than other things. Can you explain shooting to the audience? You should not shoot on yourself. You should not walk around with a large. <laughs> it sounds. That sound better. <laughs> you should stop. Showing up with so much different expectations and then telling I should yourself do this, that I should you're do not that. good. I should do this. I should do that. Yeah, I shooting. Uh... <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah. What I'm saying. and it's 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 amazing how quick 
we could open our eyes and the second we open our eyes, the head noise starts. And a friend of mine who was a musician on Muncie is like, it was four o'clock in the morning. I woke up to go to the bathroom and my head already started. I'm like, dude, all I wanted to go is go to the drum. And it already started. So his, your head already started? His head already started. Oh, the thoughts started. like, the and then you can't go back to sleep. Yeah, I know that. Um, yeah. So it's learning how to really train your mind and be present and be kinder and take those deep breaths and chill. Life is a really, really beautiful thing when you get out of your own way. Okay. Okay. I think that wraps it up for today. It's amazing. Sure. This was a very powerful podcast. That was dynamic. It was very dynamic. I think for all the viewers listening, you're going to know now how fast to grow is too fast. And to really just be more accepting, patient, and loving of yourself. And then things start to fall into place. You know, in, in a way, we kind of explained how to defeat a very advanced Yetzirah. So people can kind of like, you know, take that into their own versions and learn, which is very beautiful. There's, there's, there most definitely is too fast. There most, most definitely is too fast that you're not going to know. And if you're asking the question, you're probably going too fast. But it's, it's, a great, um, it's a great reference point. It's a great question to ask, friends. It's a great way to start. Yeah. I want to say a big thank you to the listeners, and I want to bless you all that you should be able to reach your goals and to become better versions of yourselves daily and to be okay with failures and not to let them take you down a negative path, but rather to understand that I'm human, I make mistakes, and that is now my responsibility to accept responsibility and to get back up. And we all give a communal blessing to everyone that we should Bezrat Hashem reach what we need to reach in a uh, steady pace, consistently putting in that work and in getting to that goal eventually. Bezrat Hashem. Find the clarity and Bezrat Hashem, we should get there. Amen. Amen. Amen.